the proposal to bring the Winter Olympics back to Vancouver in 2030 is in trouble. Deputy Vancouver City Manager Karen Levitt's report to City Council's July 20th Policy and Strategic Priorities meeting says the lack of support from the federal and B.C. governments and civic staff fatigue means she cannot recommend whether to continue exploring another Olympics. This is part of a story written just a day or two ago by our next guest. The title of the story, Still Many Unanswered Questions for Vancouver's 2030 Olympics Bid. This in business in Vancouver by veteran Vancouver reporter Bob Mackin, who joins us again. Bob, good to have you back on the show. Good morning. Hey, good morning, Strong. Lots to talk about here. Uh, in uh, that's a bit of a, a dramatic beginning to the show, uh, uh, to the uh, to the article, Bob. Basically, uh, if the city manager responsible for uh, involving the city can't say "let's go," well, that is a problem, isn't it? Indeed. Right now, this bid is looking like it's uh, neutral, maybe even on thin ice. It'll depend, of course, what the politicians on city council decide, but uh, this is going to be one of their last meetings before the election. They're kind of running out of time. Right. There's not only the civic election coming up on October 15th, there is a change happening over over in Victoria with John Horgan announcing his retirement this fall. Sure. Uh, he is looking at this very skeptically himself. He's had uh, Melanie Mark, uh, the cabinet minister, who's in charge of uh, tourism and sport, write to the Canadian Olympic Committee and ask for what is essentially a mini business plan. She wants to know uh, who is going to share, she wants to know, make sure that everyone involved in this, the two uh, municipalities, Vancouver and Whistler, and the four host First Nations, the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Lillawatt, she wants to know if they're going to share in the costs and risks. So far on the First Nations side, they are committing to provide land at the Jericho lands on which to build an Olympic village. Right. But that's as far as they've uh, made a public commitment. Um, the Olympics have become much riskier. Uh, the world has become much riskier since Vancouver hosted in 2010. The uh, NDP government uh, is concerned about that from various uh, means, from uh, geopolitical considerations, pandemic considerations. You know, this pandemic is going to end eventually, but uh, what if there's another one? I mean, look what the pandemic did to the organizers in Tokyo and sure. Beijing. Uh, they could sell very little tickets, if any, and that caused a har- harm to the bottom line. But the International Olympic Committee wanted to go ahead because of those very large TV and sponsor contracts, and uh, what would that mean if there's another pandemic or another challenge unforeseen if Vancouver hosts in 2030, who would pay the bill? Ultimately, that's what uh, is a concern of Karen Levitt, uh, the deputy city manager in Vancouver. There is no federal funding commitment yet. Right. There is no provincial funding commitment mm-hmm. yet. The provincial funding commitment is key because the provincial government can do something that the federal government is not allowed to do from a policy standpoint which is act as the underwriter, the the governing party which commits to the International Olympic Committee that if there's any deficits, then the taxpayers of the province are the ones that are going to pay. Right. And there is not that promise yet. Uh, preliminary talks basically turned it back to the municipalities and the First Nations and said, well, this is your responsibility. And uh, you talk to the International Olympic Committee. The International Olympic Committee, of course, uh, is is key to this because uh, what would they cover? What what kind of insurance would they bring to the table? And uh, how much money would they bring? And could they make this uh, privately financed as much as possible? Those are questions that are being asked in the letter from Melanie Mark to the Canadian Committee of the Canadian Olympic Committee, uh, Tricia Smith. And the deadline for that is August 15th. 
and the Canadian Olympic Committee was hoping that uh, the federal and provincial treasury boards would take a look at this in October so that they could uh, finalize things in November and then go to the International Olympic Committee and make the formal application in December. The IOC wants to make its decision on who hosts 2030 when it meets in May of next year in Mumbai, India. Uh, they're really running out of time. Salt Lake City, the 2002 host, is much further ahead uh, than Vancouver. Uh, and Sapporo, Japan, is also looking at uh, making a bid. Yeah. As I understand it, Salt Lake is actually looking at postponing uh, for four years because of a Los Angeles conflict in terms of international scheduling. So that leaves B.C. or Vancouver uh, and our bid up against uh, Sapporo, Japan. But, Bob, here's uh, it's an important item that, that not many people completely understand. You want and the city wants and the government wants to know the numbers. How much are you going to be on the hook for? And, and in case of the provincial government, as you've just described it, how much are you prepared to backstop this thing to? what extent there are no numbers available and here's the kicker the all of the numbers from our only previous olympic experience in 2010 remain sealed conveniently bob until 2025 long after whatever decision is about to be taken uh, uh, on the current bid so why is that why can't we see and have numbers to relate to as we try to make a decision on 2030 from an olympics that happened what 20 years ago yeah, it's, it's very, very difficult uh, here, the situation. I mean, uh, freedom of information-wise, the Salt Lake Organizing Committee for 2002 was subject to freedom of information after they had a, a scandal that was unearthed. And, and just officially, they, they are uh, looking, they, they're preferring 2034, but they're, 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 their line is that if they're asked to do 2030, sure. they'll do 2030. Sure. But they prefer 2034 because of that Los Angeles 2028 situation. Uh, but Salt Lake City was subject to Freedom of Information. The organizing committee for the Vancouver Games in 2010 was not. They were incorporated as a private not-for-profit uh, beyond the reach of FOI. Vanoc, and when, as, as we knew them, right? Indeed. And yep. when they, they wrapped up their, their business, uh, they shifted their corporate archives to the Vancouver City archives under a contract which included a schedule of restrictions. And one of the key restrictions was that uh, we are not allowed to see the board minutes and the financial ledgers and other key documents until the fall of 2025. And uh, no one in power seems to be in a rush to open these files to show us how they put the games together. They put the games together in some difficult circumstances yeah. because of 2008, 2009, the, uh, the Great Recession. Recession, sure. That, that scared a lot of uh, sponsors. Some of the sponsors uh, had to seek bankruptcy protection. Some of them had to cut back a lot on their advertising, on their uh, tickets and uh, souvenir purchases. And when that happened, uh, Premier Gordon Campbell was in power at the time, and uh, they had to buck up more money. That's they, right. they, they were the they backstop, spent, weren't they? they? They spent about $20 million plus on an ad campaign yeah. on NBC, for instance, a tourism ad campaign that, uh, that wasn't part of the original budget, but that was part of uh, trying to do whatever they could to... Uh, support the games when the economy was shifting in the wrong way. And uh, that's what the NDP government is worried about doing as well. Uh, they don't know, of course, if they'll be in power by then. They hope they will. But uh, this is something that they're facing. And there's also a couple other things that are happening. Vancouver was awarded the 2025 Invictus Games yep. and is one of the 16 host cities for the 2026 FIFA World Cup. Yep. Those are costing a lot to taxpayers, but they're much more manageable than an Olympics and Olympics. 
as Karen Levin points out, uh, in 2010, there was the provincial guarantee, but there were also things that weren't happening. And one thing that's happening right now, of course, for any organization, private or public, is staffing, is uh, attracting staff, keeping staff, um, dealing with budgets, and of course, staff morale and fatigue. Um, They have a lot on their plate from a development standpoint, but also a lot on their plate about just trying to keep the city together. We're in a situation right now, of course, the downtown east side never gets better. There's public safety issues. Uh, the pandemic, of course, continues. Um, and and things just aren't back to normal. And an Olympics is much different from one of these one-off events yeah. that uh, will be happening because yep. uh, they take a full seven years plus to organize. And every single department at City Hall will need to be involved. And if you remember what happened with 2010, it became the overarching priority of the provincial government. A lot of things didn't happen that could have perhaps should have happened, but budgets were were diverted, and uh, it, it became the priority because uh, you put your your civic reputation, your provincial reputation on the line, uh, open it up for the world to to take a look. And uh, does Vancouver want that again? And again, that's one of the reasons why Councillor Colin Hardwick had proposed that there be a plebiscite and uh, didn't get a seconder and didn't get a seconder after the mayor himself intervened. And he recently was uh, censured because he broke the civic code of conduct for some misleading tweets. Yeah, we've had Colleen on the show talking about a plebiscite. Taxpayers ought to have a say in all of this. Still many unanswered questions for Vancouver's 2030 Olympics bid. It's a great read at Business in Vancouver. Bob Mackin is the reporter who wrote it and is keeping a very close eye on all of this and helping us understand what's going on behind the scenes. Bob, thanks for this this morning. We will definitely talk again as this story is far from over. Thank you. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.